Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Well, it's great to be here this morning. Hey, there is loads of empty seats in here, so if you want some air con outside, you're welcome to come in. Um, but if you're visiting here, we're so glad that you've come and visit us here at Creekside Community Church. We are in a series, as Tim mentioned, uh, that is about Jesus and his call on the church and what that's supposed to look like. And we've titled it, The Church That Jesus Had In Mind. And we've been going through this series now, looking at the different elements of church, the different components of what makes church, church. And we understand that it's not just a building, it's so much more than that. It's actually the people, it's us, it's you and I, God's children coming together. And so we're up to part five today, which is all about connect. Connecting together in a community. You were made for so much more than just doing life on your own. You weren't meant to do life on your own. We're meant to be a community of God's people journeying together, supporting one another. And that's the kind of church that we long for here. And so today we're going to be looking at that and continuing in this series. You know, on Wednesday uh, this week, uh, it was Remembrance Day, uh, a day that we take time just to pause and remember the soldiers that had given their lives in battle. And I was reading about a, 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 a Victoria Cross recipient, Daniel Kieran was his name, and he wrote a book called Courage Under Fire. And he tells the story of when him and his, his platoon or his team, they were in Afghanistan and they were out on patrol and they got into this massive gunfight uh, against the, uh, the, the, the Taliban. And so much so, the heavy gunfire had them bunkered down, they were hung in, and they were getting shot up, and his good friend, uh, Jared McKinney, uh, got really hurt badly, he got shot, he was bleeding out, and needed urgent medical attention, but the gunfire was so heavy that the medics couldn't get to Jared to help him, the helicopter was called in, but they couldn't get in either because of the heat of the battle, and... uh, Daniel was stuck there and he was thinking to himself, what can we do? This is urgent. This is a serious situation. This is not just a Call of Duty computer game you guys might play at home at, uh, you know, on the TV. This was a serious life and death situation. And Daniel took it upon himself to sort of run out and try and uh, take the attention of the Taliban to sort of draw their attention away so the medics could get to, to Jared and help him. And so four times Daniel sort of ran up this hill and you can read about it in his book and he's climbing on his belly and the guns shooting, the bullets are firing everywhere the dust is blowing up and he says these words he says I had body armor on the front and the back and I thought if I took a bullet hopefully it would get me in the plate but if it didn't I had the faith and absolute trust in my team that they would grab me and drag me off this hill and throw me into a chopper that was inbound and that battle at Derapet is now known as one of the fiercest combats since the Vietnam War but friends you know I tell that story because when you're in a battle you don't want to be a lone soldier out there taking the enemy on on your own you need your team you need the support You need the backup because your life depends on it. And in a very similar way, you and I need the backup. We need support of a church family. We need one another. You were created for community because your life depends on it. Your spiritual life depends on it. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, It's not good for man to be alone. One of the first things God says, it's not good for you to be alone. Now look, you know, the, whether you're married or not is irrelevant in that verse, but God says it's not good for you to be alone. And so the Bible tells us that we need to be part of a spiritual family. In Romans 12 verse 5 it says, Since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. 
in a church family, as we come together, we just don't belong to Jesus, but we belong to one another and we need one another. And you are my brother and you are my sister and I am your brother and we need one another, the Bible tells us. And so today I want to look at five reasons. I want to give you five reasons why you need to be part of a church family and why that is so critical, so important. And I want to look at a number of verses today in the Bible, and, and, and you may not have read much of the Bible, but there's a lot that it says about life and our journey of faith. And so I'm going to look at different verses throughout the Bible and pull out some of these you know, nuggets of truth, as it were, that speak to this reality of our need for one another and our need of a church family. I want to give you five reasons this morning. So hang in there. I'll push through pretty quick, but I hope they'll motivate you and encourage you on your, you know, your, uh, your journey of faith. And the first reason is this is that I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. That's one of the benefits of a church family. You know, the Bible often calls our spiritual life a walk, your spiritual walk. The Bible says, you know, walk in love, walk in truth, walk in lightness, walk in joy. Colossians 2, verse 6, it says, Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, why does God compare life to a walk? Well, because it's a, it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey of ups, it's a journey of downs, and you were never meant to do that journey alone. You were never meant to walk life alone. We need others. God never intended that for you. But what's wrong with walking alone, you say? I like walking alone. You know, my wife and I do a little bit of hiking at times, and there'd be moments when you'd be out 10, 20 kilometers on some mountain ridge in the middle of nowhere, and you come across someone just walking on their own, and you think, Wow, what are you doing out here? You're crazy. But, you know, we were never intended to go through life alone. Well, I want to give you just three benefits of walking with a church family. Three benefits here. Number one, it's safer. There are safety in numbers, right? There's less risk when you're walking on your own. I don't know if you've walked down a dark alley at night. Maybe you've been in the city, you know, after work somewhere, and you're walking down a dark alley on your night, and you hear a noise, and you think, wow, I wish I had someone with me right now. Maybe you've walked from Kabul to train station at night on your way home. That's cowboy country up there. You do not want to walk at night on your own. It is far safer to walk with other people. But friends, you know, when you're going through dark times in your life, it's safer to walk with others. Secondly, number two, it's supportive. It keeps you from giving up when you're walking with other people. Some of you may do marathons. I know some of you have done that jetty to jetty run at, you know, Redcliffe. And uh, trouble is, you know, actually I saw some ladies running yesterday. There was about a pack of, I shouldn't call them a pack. There was a lot of ladies that were running together as a group, a group supporting one another, jogging down the road. And maybe you do some jogging. I know Steve's out there. He runs like 50 kilometers a week after work. I don't know how he does it. But you know when you run and you get like 10 kilometers in and you get a stitch and you get that sort of pain in your stomach and you feel like giving up. I mean, I get it just walking to the stairs to my office. But, you know, it, you just need that support. And when the others are running with you, when others are walking beside you, it's so much easier to keep going. There's this incredible support. There's often uh, there's this African proverb that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run with other people. When you run together, you can go so much further. In, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. The church is God's safety net for when you're feeling weak and maybe when you're feeling tired and fatigued and maybe when you feel like giving up. Have you ever woken up on some Sundays and it's like, oh, I just don't feel like going to church today? Or maybe you don't feel like going to worship. 
I know you have. I, I think that all the time, and I'm sometimes worship leading. But, you know, there are times where you just feel like just laying on the lounge. You'd rather just sleep in and stay on the couch. But what I've discovered is that it's in those moments is when I need to be here the most, when I need to connect. And as I connect with God's people, and as I begin to worship and sing and focus my attention on Him, sometimes that fatigue, uh, that you know, sense of, 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 of discouragement can tend to lift as we meet together, as we support one another in the family. Ephesians 4.16, it says, As each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow so that Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So it's safer walking together. It's more support when you walk together. And finally, it's smarter when you walk through life together. You can actually learn a lot in life when you walk with other people. Proverbs 28 and verse 26, it says, only fools trust what they think alone. I think some of those verses will come up on the screen as we move along. But it's much smarter. You know, when you're walking alone, you might tend to walk in the wrong direction. There was a Japanese soldier uh, after World War II his name was Hiro Onada. And he kept fighting in the jungles of the Philippines after the war had ended for a further 29 years. And, and some of the details of his journey uh, speak to the reality of them trying to get him out. It says he, he ignored messages from loudspeakers announcing Japan's surrender. Uh, leaflets were dropped in the jungle begging him to surrender. Uh, more than half a million dollars was spent trying to locate him and convince him. Um, finally, in March 10, 1974, Onada surrendered his rusty sword after receiving a personal command from his former superior officer. His lonely war was finally over, and when he returned to Japan, he made this comment. He said, nothing pleasant during those 29 years in the jungle. Well, a bit of an understatement, but people can spend long years fighting lonely battles when they are determined to go it alone. People can spend years battling habits and addictions and secret sins when that battle could have ended if they were able to reach out and find help, if they were part of a community, a part of a church family to walk with them. And so we need each other for perspective, accountability, advice, encouragement, safety, and support. And so first of all, I need others to walk with me. But secondly, I need others to work with me. I need others to work with me. Not just walk, but to work. Did you know that God has created you to do special things? He's created you for special tasks, for a job to do. Ephesians 2.10, it tells us this, God made us to do good works. He's made you to do good works, which he has planned in advance for you to do. Even before you were born, God had it mapped out of the things that he wanted to do for you to, uh, for, you to do for him. You know, this life is, is really a, a precursor. It's a, it's a practice run for eternity. And you know, when we get to heaven, one of the things we're going to be doing is that we're going to be serving. We're going to be serving God. Uh, but the difference is we're all going to be serving together. So you're not going to get tired. You're not going to get drained. You're not going to get fatigued. But the trouble is here on earth, when we serve, sometimes we get worn out because we try to do it alone. We try and carry it ourselves. And the result is we get burnt out and we get fatigued and we get drained and sapped. But God tells us, though, that we need to work together. Look at this verse in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. It says, Two people are better than one because they get more done working together. And so you need a church family to help you do the work that God has called you to do, what he wants you to do with your life. He never meant for you to do it by yourself. 
You know, one of the things that we've done here at Creekside over recent times is, is try to sort of peel back some of the ministries, uh, the broader ministries that we'd been running, and just bring our focus and attention together and our resources and energies and personnel together. Largely, we've focused on Sunday mornings. And so, uh, you know, some of the great things that we've been doing in the past have, have, have incredible fruit and blessing, but it can be a drain because it can spread the load very wide and thin. And so we've tried to peel that back and focus on Sunday mornings. But even after COVID, as we try to regroup and rebuild rosters, I mean, I see Dave up there and Mark's there. Chris is trying to help out, but often Dave is here. He's running sound. He's running lights, the cameras. He's here setting up. He's here packing up. And he needs a bit of help up there. So if you can turn a computer on, if you can dial a knob, talk to Dave after the service, he'd love some help because we need to be working together, supporting one another. We've got a group of incredibly gifted and committed ladies that run our children's program and you saw them this morning I mean I don't know it seemed like those like they just kept going this morning there must be 50 of them at least that were heading out today but they need some help in that environment you know what a privilege it is to just serve our children tell them about Jesus and grow a loving faith within them but they need support with help as leaders and so maybe if you've got ability capacity to maybe just sit with some of those children as they learn as they engage in the message I know those ladies would very much appreciate your help we need to be working together. Maybe it's in the kitchen running the coffee and stuff after or before the service or helping the guys set up. We all need to be working together. I can't do it all by myself, and you can't do it all by yourself, but together we can. You think about the snowflakes that often fall out there, scattered, and they're light, and they don't really do much, but you gather them together, you mix them up together, and you hold them firm, man. They are a powerful little weapon, uh, but together we can make a difference with each person doing a little at a time. Listen to this verse in Galatians 6.10. It says, Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And so I need people to walk with me, and I need people to work with me as we do the work that God has called you to do so we can get it done together. Thirdly, I need others to watch out for me. I need people who will watch out for me in my life, warn me of traps, people who will defend me, people who will protect me, who will help me stay on track. The Bible says, look, at, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. It tells us this in Philippians 2.4. Watch out for one another's interests, not just the interests of your own. I don't know if you've ever gone away on holidays and uh, you might be heading out for a week somewhere and you go to you see your neighbor before you go and you say hey hey yeah uh, listen we're heading off on holidays do you mind just keeping an eye on the place could you watch our stuff you know keep an eye on the house or the property and if there's any funny business can you give us a ring call the cops well I don't know if you've done that we've done that a few times but let me ask you this question this morning who's watching out for your soul because that is far more important you might have your neighbor watching your stuff but who's watching out for your soul that's part of the family of God. We need others watching out for us. Why? Because we all have blind spots. Some of us have got bald spots, but we've all got blind spots. We've all got places, things we can't see in our life. And we need other people watching out, people that are speaking into our lives in these areas that we can't see. You have a stoplight out in your car, you can't see it. You know, you've got lettuce in your teeth, you can't see it. Chris, I think you might have some lettuce in your teeth. No. We need other people that are watching out for us and, and chiming in, speaking in to our lives on this journey of faith together. Hebrews tells us, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. 
Notice it says, keep being concerned. That means keep watch, be vigilant. You know, when you go into battle, you, you know, and, and you're out there on the front line, you have people that are on guard. You've got people watching out for the enemy, people who are vigilant, watching and keeping an eye on things. And so we need to be watching out. If Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. And conquer. And then it says further, and three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so, friends, who's watching out for you? People at work probably aren't doing that. People at university probably aren't doing that. The government's not doing that. Who is it that, that is speaking into your life? Maybe some of the habits that are developing, the places you're going, the things that you're viewing, or whatever it is that you might be doing. Who is it that's keeping watch? of your spiritual journey. We need a church family for that. Ecclesiastes again further, it says, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall, they're in real trouble. I need others to watch out for me. Point number four, I need others to wait and to weep with me. I need other people in my life that will wait for me when I'm in trouble, when I'm going through turbulent waters, and I need people who will weep with me to help us through the inevitable crisis in our lives. I can't help but think about some of those in our church community that are going through a crisis in our life, in their life right now. There are people that are going through a marriage crisis and the relationship breaks down. There are people that are going through a family crisis. There may be a financial crisis, and there are people that are going through a health crisis. Many of you know our, our dear friend Mark, who's been part of our church here, and Mark has spoken here many, many times. He's recently been diagnosed with cancer and, and being undergoing treatment, chemo and radiation, and only in the last couple of weeks, the medical team and the doctors have said, I don't think there's anything more that we can do for you, Mark. He recently got married just as he uh, was diagnosed with this uh, cancer. And his beautiful wife, Trish, she's a chaplain here, uh, has been with him. And we've been able to just journey with them and pray together with them. She sent me this text this week. She says, thanks so much for continuing to pray. We're so thankful to have people still fighting in prayer on our behalf and standing in the gap. We were able to come home yesterday and Mark is now under the care of the community health team who pop in each day to check on him. He's pretty tired, but thankful to be home, and we're just praying stacks, standing firm, believing that God can move and do the miraculous. We have our hope in him and trusting that he is making a way. So deeply appreciate Creekside and joining with us in prayer and standing in faith with us. Folks, when the crisis hits, you need other people in your life that will wait with you and weep with you. Even just Friday this week, another person in the church came and a few of us gathered together. They found themselves in a situation where uh, they had nowhere to go, um, no home to go home to, uh, nowhere to stay that night. And we were able to just gather together and encourage and pray and talk things through. And then someone came along and said, hey, I've got somewhere maybe where they could stay for a few weeks. And, and someone said, yeah, I've got a fridge and I've got a lounge and I've got a bed. And so we were able to support Folks, we just need people in our lives when a crisis hits. At some point, a life-shaking crisis may hit your life. None of us knows when. Nobody knows what it looks like, but we need to be prepared. And the way for that, God's safety net, is a church family who is committed to you and you're committed to them. 
In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, it says, in the first part of this verse, you should be like one big family full of sympathy toward each other. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Romans tells us, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And finally, point five, I need others to witness with me. Did you know that God says, I expect you to, to witness, to tell others, to share of the hope, share of the grace and forgiveness that I've shown you and to share your story with others. The Bible says that is such a vital part of the importance of our journey of faith, to be able to be a witness. But we need others to help us with that. You know, not only is it such an important part to be able to verbally share our faith, but to also live it out as we go about our lives together. And one of the ways we do that is by loving others, loving our community, loving our church family. The Bible says, look, see how they love one another. One of the most ways in which you will impress the people that drive through our car park that will connect with us on a Sunday, but one of the biggest ways in which we can witness to them is by loving each other. Jesus said it this way, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The one, things that, one of the things that proves that you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is not our building, and it won't be your little bumper sticker on the back of your car. It's not our program, but it's the way that we love one another. 1 Timothy uh, 1, verse 7, it says, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but he wants you to be wise and strong and love them and enjoy being with them. And that's one of the reasons why God needs us and needs you in a family so that we can help one another in sharing this good news, sharing of our faith, sharing of the grace and mercy that God has shown us. And I love the way in which here at Creekside we, we demonstrate that through running our Alpha program. It's a, it's a great opportunity, and most recently there was like 15 people that had never been through that before or heard about Jesus much, and they signed up and came through that. But we worked as a team, and someone picked a date and put a flyer together, and many of you invited your friends and your neighbors and work colleagues and brought them along. Someone else cooked a meal. Someone prepared the tables. Someone got the video together. Someone else spoke and, and shared you know, uh, into that situation, sat at tables and you know, dialogued and conversation and questions working together. And I love this verse that sort of reflects that in Philippians 1, 27. It says, you are working together. That's the family of God. You're working together and you're struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. And may that be, you know, what's true of us here at Creekside, that we are working together, that we are struggling side by side in order that others may come to hear and believe the good news. So folks, as we finish up this morning, as we reflect on um, this uh, part of our series, the importance of needing other people, being a family, a church family, you need others to walk with you. You need them to work with you. You need them to watch out for you. You need them to wait and to weep with you. And you need them to witness with you. I hope that you're, you're spurred on, that you're encouraged, uh, maybe challenged as you reflect on those things. One of the ways in which we seek to go deeper here at Creekside is through our community groups. Sundays are great. But community groups are a smaller group of people, of families that get together during the week, some here on Sundays, where we can journey together at a deeper level, you know, just sharing our challenges, our life journey together, where we can be a little bit more of a, a deeper support to each other in those environments. 
today, if you've been uh, you know, reflecting on these things we've shared about, and maybe you feel like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm a little bit out there on my own, maybe. And maybe you think, yeah, I could do with a little bit extra support. At times, I just feel like giving up. This is so hard, this, this Christian road. Or maybe you're going through challenges in your life and it's like, I need other people that will just sit with me, that will wait with me, that will pray for me, that will encourage me. I want to encourage you to consider being part of one of our community groups. On your seat this morning, there's a little card. It's an opportunity to consider and reflect, an opportunity to maybe put in expressions of interest to say, hey, look, I'm keen to be part of this. Help me know more about how I can be part of it. Then I want you to fill that in today and out on the deck as you leave the building here on your right-hand side, Tim will be out there, I'll be there, where you can hand that in and maybe dialogue a little bit more in conversation around what does it mean to be part of a community group? How do I get started in that? What nights are they on? When are they available? Maybe you've got a home that's empty through the week and you think, hey, I could host a group at my place because we need people to host, we need people to lead as well. We believe in this, this so important part of our church. We want to sow into it and invest in it and trust that you'll come on the journey with us as we continue to seek to grow our community groups. We'd love every single person to be part of them. Well, let me pray as we finish up this morning. I'm not sure if the worship band's coming back or not. I think Shania's lost her voice, uh, but let's pray as we finish up this morning. Thank you. Father God, we want to um, just pause as we just consider these things today about how you have shown your love to us. And in such a way, God, you've, you've adopted us and you've brought us into your family as sons and daughters. And God, I thank you that uh, within that family, we can find so many benefits of just support, of love, of people that are concerned for us, people that will watch for us and speak into our lives, people that will work with us, people that will witness with us, Lord. We can do so much more when we are together, when we are aligned together with our focus upon you, God. And so I pray that as we journey as a church here, that we would demonstrate our love to one another in such a way that people would be overwhelmed by what they see and what they observe as we go about loving, supporting, journeying, and walking with others here, Lord, day by day. God, thank you for this time, and I pray for each person here this morning, Lord, that you would encourage them and that you'd spur them on in their journey of faith, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.